Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, October 10th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Thursday, that can mean only one thing. 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, Steve Wolfong, is here. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. Goes well. Smoothie in hand. Extra green by Mrs. Kelly Wiltfong. little fog here in Indianapolis, sending it down I-70 through Dayton towards Columbus. Beautiful day here. The fog hasn't hit, and the gnats are advancing, but I digress. Let's talk about the thing everyone came for. That's recruiting. Very simple show today. We're just going to go down a checklist. I'm going to give a name. Steve is going to provide wisdom. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Quarterback from Rancho Cucamonga. He was here this past weekend. His offer, which came a few weeks ago, and we had to keep quiet, is now official. C.J. Stroud, what do you think of him? What do you think of the visit? Where do you think he'll play college football? Recruiting's awkward sometimes with some of the things that can't be reported. But I posted on the front row uh, that C.J. Stroud didn't uh, had his Oregon offer for a while before he um, went public with it, kind of hinting a similar situation here with Ohio State. Uh, there was a lot of buzz about the Buckeyes' position coming into this visit. I think Ohio State has set the bar coming out. Um, so that's where you want to be. That's the position you want to be in. You want to be in first going down the stretch here. Um, Baylor's still very much in it, not recruiting any other quarterback other than C.J. Stroud. Um, Oregon uh, is in line for two visits for C.J. Stroud still. So uh, we'll see what happens. But the current pulse uh, of this recruitment is Ohio State, and so that's where my crystal ball sits. Does he have a target date? Nope, not to my knowledge. I mean, it sounds like he's still going to take some visits and and, uh, continue the process and get to know these coaches and find the best fit for him. Would you take C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller? Well, I like C.J. I think if you're Ohio State, you want to take them both. But if I, if I was taking, if I was betting on which one would ultimately be the starting quarterback at Ohio State, I would go with C.J. Stroud. Sure. Ohio State needs two in this class. We've talked about it from a depth depth standpoint. And look, Jack Miller's been hurt a lot in his high school career. Let's see what a healthy Jack Miller does in Columbus with with the Ohio State coaches as well. Um, he's a guy that the Buckeyes targeted early. C.J. Stroud has really become the flavor of the month, but rightfully so, uh, having an even better senior year uh, than he did as a junior. He had a good junior year. Uh, had a terrific summer. Um, is a big, strong kid with a lot of traits. Provided these coaching staff remains relatively intact on the offensive side of the ball, I'm almost to the point where – Whatever quarterback Ohio State gets in this system, in this environment, in this culture, is going to succeed. The Dwayne Haskins example to me is amazing just because he was so successful at Ohio State in what is a fantastic culture, and he's just struggling mightily on a terrible culture with the Redskins. I'm so big on environment now for quarterbacks. I think it has a huge deal. Like, I'm convinced that if you if you invert the career so far of Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, the results will be similar on both sides, but I digress. I'm going to jump in and say you take Dwayne Haskins, who was on one of the most talented college football teams, and then you put him in on one of the worst NFL teams and one of the worst cultures. I, I think that Ohio State quarterback recruiting is incredibly important right now for the stability of the program being a title contender this cycle, um, or I think that they'll have to go to the transfer market again. 
Yeah, the transfer portal is a curveball now Every in every cycle that's going to probably determine a lot of things. But that's also why I think I would err on the side of taking more than less quarterback-wise, whereas back in the day, I was more concerned about the emotional state of the guys. I don't think you can afford to even do that anymore. At least when you're Ohio State, if you're buying on the transfer market, if you're one of the, the big dogs, the the rich, Ohio State, Oklahoma, programs of those prestige levels, uh, when you're on the transfer market, you have, a, you have a good football team to market to a potential transfer, and, and your place is always going to be enticing to a free agent. But I, I think that if you're Ryan Day and company, you rather do it through the recruiting trail. And so Jack Miller's in the boat. You need a second one in this class. You'd love for it to be C.J. Stroud, and you get those two young men in your program, and, and they compete for it. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I think that was the original and probably the old school way of thinking, but they've had just as much success with Fields so far off the transfer market as you would with any first-year player coming in. And also, sure. like I said about environment, this is another thing I, that I've learned or I should have known. Like, I was doubtful on uh, Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma and performing well. And then I, now I realized, look, Lincoln Riley's no dummy. He wouldn't have taken Jalen Hurts if he didn't think he could turn him into something. And I think the Oklahoma and Ohio State cultures for quarterback right now, they are just adept at getting the best out of whatever they get. And like you said, because of the prestige of the program, they're always going to have a talented guy wanting to play there. Jalen Hurts doesn't play well in like two games as a sophomore, and all of a sudden people forget he was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman. And it's just it's a tough world we live in when you can't when you have a bad ball game or a bad game. It's, People think you suck, and people think there's only three good teams in college football. And it'll be interesting to see who has the better pro career between him and Tua. And it, on a on a side nugget, Minshew almost goes to Alabama to be the third string quarterback behind those two. Last second goes to Washington State. He's starting in the NFL. I, there's no way in hell probably that he beats out. Tua or Hurts if he goes to Alabama, but could you imagine if he would have just went there for spring ball and competed with those guys? What if he would have looked better? Because theoretically, he's having a good pro career already. It's just it's just wild that he almost went to Alabama. But those thoughts have been in my head. I haven't had an opportunity to speak that out loud yet, so the Bucknuts Morning 5 was my first opportunity. You ask who's going to have a better pro career, Tua or Jalen. What I'm saying is if Tua goes to the Redskins, and Jalen goes to the Chiefs, Jalen will, at least to start out. Back to the subject at hand here. Defensive end Tyler Barron took a visit. He was impressed. His father works at Tennessee. Now that they've had a little bit of time to compare the two programs and the visit buzz has settled down, what's your vibe on Barron? Look, I, I, I thought coming in, Ohio State had a legitimate chance and coming out, I think Ohio State could land the young man out of Knoxville Catholic. Um, he had a really good visit. He really enjoyed his time with Zach Harrison and the players on the team. You can tell he loves and respects Larry Johnson, um, spent time with Ryan Day and Jeff Halfley, among others. I think Ohio State's a place that he sees himself being very successful at. Um, Kentucky and Tennessee are the other two in the mix. I asked Tyler if he was close to making a decision. He said no. I don't know what would – I don't know why he's not close, to be honest, because he's taken officials to his final three. So um, – or excuse me, he's not taking official to Tennessee, so that may be the uh, – and maybe the caveat, and they're obviously the crystal ball favorite, and his dad's uh, on the staff in an off-field role at Tennessee. But um, my gut may even say Ohio State leads right now for Tyler Barron. More momentum. Safety Ryan Watts was committed elsewhere. And now if you look at the crystal ball, you're going to have to feel it's going to end up in Columbus. 
Yeah, that was an easy crystal ball forecast at night. He, it was reported he decommitted from Oklahoma. I got a little time with Ryan that night, and he told me Ohio State led. So you guys know I'm a current pulse guy on the crystal ball. So when someone tells you uh, there's a clear leader, um, that's an easy – that's a layup. Uh, banked it right in off the square um, for, for the Buckeyes. Um, now it's just a matter of – when does he join the fold? Penn State's and is the other school in the mix for for Watts. Uh, Ryan um, told me recently he was no longer going to be able to take his official visit to Penn State for the whiteout, which is next weekend. Um, so we'll see if he takes that trip or not. Um, last I spoke to him, he was not going to take it. Really like Ohio State's position for Ryan Watts. I started to hear about him possibly flipping as I was watching Monday Night Football, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Any defensive back who watches the Saints on Monday Night Football and doesn't commit to Ohio State needs a new accountant. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with some running back chatter. All right, we're back. Running back recruiting has been the soap opera of the class of 2020. I'm not going to bore everybody with the details. Jameer Gibbs is a name we're hearing a lot lately. Do you see him as a fit? Jameer Gibbs is a every-down bad mf man. I mean, he is having a tremendous year in the state of Georgia. I believe he leads the state of Georgia in rushing. Uh, he's continuing to improve every year. Um, he's one of the hottest seniors in the country on the trail. Uh, his ability to do everything. He's a big play guy um, uh, and, and a guy that Ohio State certainly covets and I think he'll get to campus here uh, for a ball game and an official visit before the season's out. Speaking of running backs and question marks, Cavantre Bradford, I long thought he was going to be the halfback in the class. Texas running back visited this past weekend. There's no buzz. There was one crystal ball after the weekend. It was to Wisconsin. Can you make sense out of this recruitment? I, I think that Ohio State's still in, in the picture here. If they push for Kevontre Bradford, I think it was a good visit uh, for the Lancaster High standout, and I think he saw a fit for himself at Ohio State, and, and you're the Buckeyes, and you have the number three recruiting class in the country. You have Jameer Gibbs on the board. He offered Mayan Williams recently. Perhaps you're talking to some other running backs. Um, maybe you're not in a hurry to take one right now, and you want to get some guys to campus and, and make sure that you take the right one. Speaking of taking the right one, Lorenzo Stiles is from Columbus. His father played football at Ohio State. He has an Ohio State offer. But a Notre Dame momentum building, can you explain to us why he would go to South Bend over Columbus? Throughout the process, I felt like talking to people around South Bend and Columbus that there was optimism around both camps. So it shouldn't be a surprise if Notre Dame pulls us out uh, We've had some experts in the 24-7 Sports Network that have been more on top of this one than me. Uh, Tom Loy uh, wrote out his Notre Dame pick. I had a Notre Dame pick in February, switched it to Ohio State, and now I'm back with Notre Dame. A lot of that more on the uh, uh, the backs of my, my colleagues here at 24-7 Sports, Tom Loy, Bill Green. Notre Dame hasn't won a national championship in the last 10 years, but they've been pretty damn good too. Obviously, they offer a lot to a student athlete uh, on and off the field. And, and they've had some receivers drafted uh, under Brian Kelly that are playing well in the NFL. See Will Fuller last week had a big game. Um, and, and so um, I think that there's a lot of reasons why a young man would pick Notre Dame, and, and it looks like Lorenzo's trending towards Notre Dame. Now, I did talk to Styles after he visited Ohio State on Saturday, and uh, he, he had said that this visit to Notre Dame on Saturday would be his last visit. So 
Um, it, it looks like it's going Notre Dame's way right now, going into the trip, and we'll see what happens. Ohio State is off this weekend. The Big Ten will continue to play football. We're going to get Steve's vibes here on two matchups. First one, 3.30 kickoff, Michigan State coming off the loss to Ohio State goes to Wisconsin. I don't know how you could, I mean, I'm not saying that there's no chance Michigan State wins the game, but I don't know how you could pick them coming in with the way that Wisconsin's played at home this year. Um, I mean, they absolutely uh, have suffocated some teams this year, um, and they're ten and a half point favorites. I don't think Michigan. I think Michigan State will play play well and and be in the game, but I like the Badgers. Ohio State rushed from us 400 yards against Michigan State, so it's not like that run defense that looked terrific in September is brick wall. And obviously, Ohio State's got a, a terrific offensive line and. J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague and, and Justin Fields who can move the sticks with his legs too. But that's still a lot of yards for a team that's supposed to be a run-stuffing D. And, and now they go and face Jonathan Taylor on the road. Uh, I would imagine Wisconsin will have some success running the ball against Michigan State too. I hear you, but Wisconsin plays a much more traditional offense, and Michigan State matches up better against that. Michigan State has trouble they do. with Ohio State's getting spread out by that speed. And it's just not the same. And I don't think by any stretch, the quarterback, Jack Cohn, is the threat that Fields is. Cohn's the oh, one to me point. that has to prove he can do it. Okay, yeah, big game, 7.30 p.m. Penn State goes on the road to Iowa. Now, if this was a noon game, I'm not sure who I'd pick. You go to Iowa at 7.30 at night, that's kind of their Super Bowl for the year. They're not going to have a more high-profile game. What's your vibe? Well, Penn State won this game in a similar setting two years ago with Saquon Barkley having just a – outstanding performance and, and uh, or made some big plays in that game anyway uh, in, in what was a slugfest, low-scoring slobber knocker, if I remember correctly. Um, I think that Iowa comes into this game kind of similar to the way Michigan came into the Iowa game. You get you come off an embarrassing loss to Wisconsin. You get Rutgers in between, which maybe helps Michigan. Um, helped Michigan. Uh, Michigan wins 10-3. Uh, over Iowa at home. Uh, Iowa needs this one against Penn State. Uh, I'm still going to take the Nittany Lions, but I think it's similar similar settings. I think Penn State's just incredibly talented. Uh, now, there's been moments this year where they haven't been a dominant football team, but they got playmakers in that running back room and receiver room. They have one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten in Fryermuth. On defense, they're stacked, they're big, they're long, and they're athletic uh, on all three levels. They got pass rushers. Uh, Yatur Matos, uh, he's not Chase Young, but he's a first-rounder. Um, Shaka Tony, uh, Micah Parsons is going to be a high draft pick when he comes out. They, they got guys. This is, I think they're the second-best team on paper in the Big Ten. And I kind of, uh, as a fan, uh, it'd be interesting for Penn State to win to set up an undefeated Ohio State-Penn State game down the road. Now, Iowa's also got A.J. Epinesa. They got they got NFL guys on their offensive line. I'm stunned that they gave up eight sacks, 13 tackles for loss uh, on offense against Michigan um, last week. I, I, I thought Iowa would win that game in Ann Arbor. And if you would have asked anybody, hey, Michigan only scores 10 points, do you win in Ann Arbor? I think people, almost everyone would say, yeah, I will win that game. Uh, what a performance by Michigan's defense. Um, and, and more, I was just stunned at 
at the way Iowa just let things happen in their backfield. There were a lot of penalties in that game, too. It was just, we'll see how Iowa plays this weekend. I think Penn State's the better team on paper. Uh, Nate Stanley, the quarterback for Iowa, was terrible in that game. There are some games you play, if your quarterback is going to play that bad, you aren't going to win. And to echo your compliments of Penn State, when I look at Ohio State's schedule, the one player that scares me the most is K.J. Hamler. Uh, there's not another player on the schedule, even your Jonathan Taylors of the world, that I think will give Ohio State too much trouble. But he's the one in open space that can run away from Buck, and that makes me nervous. Sean Clifford's development, you know, will be key for – Penn State this year because they got the guys around him and he's played well in the last couple games. He's going to have a challenge at Iowa. Then they get Michigan for the whiteout game and then they're in East Lansing. So it's a three-game stretch for Penn State where we'll see if they're a legit 5-0 and team or or if, they're, if it's a little smoke and mirrors. But I think they're talented. We ranked a lot of those guys high coming out and they've certainly looked good at, at times this year. Sean Clifford, another proud Ohioan. You have to imagine that game is going to be huge for him personally. We will hope it's good for the Buckeyes. We hope you enjoyed the show. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Take care. See you on the front row.